Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And if routine smells stale to you, the problem might be in your own sniffer. We're going to talk about reclaiming routine today with Scott Hubbard. He wrote an article on that very topic, Just Not Feeling It, A Routine Awakens Devotion. Scott Hubbard, of course, is a uh, writer at DesiringGod.org and a regular guest. And I always love having him on the show, and today is no exception. So, Scott, Merry Christmas, and... Let's talk about just not feeling it. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Bill. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so just not feeling it. Uh, that's been something that has kept you from getting things done, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I'm sure as, uh, to some extent, even the most disciplined and regimented among us can probably resonate. There's times that come where you know you should do a thing. You've <laughs> told yourself, you've maybe even tried to set the habit. Maybe this is a, a mid-January New Year's uh, resolution kind <laughs> yeah. of topic too, where you've, you've maybe even had the good, it's been good. It's been good a lot of times, but today, for whatever reason, not feeling like it. You know it's good, but you just don't want to. Yeah, so if you're a concert pianist or something, you, you're not allowed to have that. I'm not feeling it today. Right, that's, you know, it you're only... Med- if you're in medical school, you go, eh, I'm not feeling studying today, right? <laughs> right, right. It can be so such an easy justification. And for me, I don't know that any other phrase or feeling really has um, derailed good habits, good mm-hmm. spiritual habits in my life. And yet, when you actually think about other spheres of life, you're like, oh, that actually wouldn't fly at all. If a farmer just, you know, wakes up one day and says, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not gonna plant. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna plant this season. <laughs> well, <laughs> then what about dairy farmers? <laughs> well, they, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, they can't not feel it. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. They've got cows that are gonna explode if they don't. Yep, bad things. Uh, so yeah, there's that whole realm. There's musicians, the concert pianist. If 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 she says, I'm just not feeling it, it's yeah. gonna be a rough performance. And yeah. In our, all our relationships, if we take that approach to friendship, to marriage, then things are going to deteriorate. But for whatever reason, you wake up in the morning and there you see your Bible, you know, you uh, it's a good habit to read it. It's a good habit to pray. And you think, ah, I'm not feeling like it. And it holds weight and you don't do it. I, that's been my experience. Yeah. Let's talk about that negative voice that you that you just talked about. You wake up and you go, I'm not feeling it. Well, yeah. all right, let's figure out a way to, to uh, override that. Yes, remember, that's my aim. Remember discs that you could override? You know? <laughs> yes, I do. I don't even remember those anymore, but you have content on a disc and somehow you can override it. Yep, that's right. I don't even know. I don't remember how to do it, but I do remember I it don't being done. This, that's a distant past. But. That's technology from a long time ago. Yeah. Let's talk about more current things like how do we address the idea in the morning that we're not feeling it. Yeah, I think one of the first things that I need to do is to simply re- remember that routine is a good thing. It doesn't mean it can't be uh, killed. It can't be, you know, it can never function as a bad thing. We all know that there are routines that have become just the dead form of what was once a good thing. You know, the Pharisees in all likelihood were pretty routine about a lot of things. And yet there was something dead in there. Mm -hmm. But 
if you just take away the excesses and the abuses, then you see, oh, actually routine is something that God made. And it's something that you see in the saints all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. And so many of the godliest saints have this, this life of routine. You have Daniel who it was his pattern. He was going to pray three times a day and, you know, facing his window, if whatever, if you say, I can't do it, I'm still going to, it's his routine. He's going to do it. Right. There's um, Jesus, of course, who, as was his custom, he rose very early in the morning and went and spent time with his father. Mm-hmm. So there are these routines throughout scripture and the area I focus on in my article is Psalm 119, which is just this beautiful pairing of spontaneity and routine. And and what we see there is that routine is not the enemy of spontaneity, but in fact, one of the things that keeps spontaneity alive. Mm-hmm. What about if I come up with really good excuses like, Scott, I have so much to do today. I know I will get more out of scripture reading when I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. well, what about that? Uh, yeah. How about that lame It's excuse? compelling in the moment. It, I know it yeah. is. And it's not a good reason (laughs) Uh, because there's just these, again, you know, another example is uh, Peter and John. So this is, this is a little bit wild. So Pentecost comes and I think a lot of people fear, oh, routine is just counter to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings freedom, spontaneity, joy, and routine just, you know, deadens what the Holy Spirit does. Well, Acts 2, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church what you see in Acts 3 is that Peter and John go up to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer. <laughs> wow. They have this routine. Wow. Yeah. They have this hour of prayer that they're used to attending. <clears throat> the Spirit comes, and what does that Spirit do? He works through the funnels of a good routine. Mm-hmm. It's not the only way He works, uh, but it is one consistent way that He works. Mm-hmm. And so, when we're not feeling like it, when we you know try to tell ourselves, oh, this is just isn't going to do anything, um, C.S. Lewis has this really good image. He says, basically what we're doing when we go on ahead and do our religious habits without feeling like it is we are digging channels in a waterless land, preparing them for when the water does come. Wow. So we're, you know, we're, we're preparing the way. We're carving these places for when, when it rains, the field's ready. Mm-hmm. Scott Harbert is my guest, and part of his routine is coming into the studio and talking to us um, regularly, and I love that about him. <laughs> You can learn more about him at DesiringGod.org. You can click on his name, Scott Hubbard, and you'll see all the articles he's written over there. But today we're talking about routine, and sometimes you say, I'm just not feeling it. And we were talking uh, before we started the show, Scott, I think you were quoting uh, G.K. Chesterton, and I was saying, does does God just have like the sun rising in the morning just on auto? Does he hit a computer key and all of a sudden, boom, there's the sun, or does he take it and place it every morning because he loves routine. He's a God of order. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, and what Chesterton says, you know, because a skeptic might look at the routine order of the world and just think, oh, this is just a machine. It's soulless, joyless. And yet Chesterton says, you know, we catch this glimpse of true of true wonder in life, often in young children who are able to enjoy the very same, often very simple pleasure again and again and again. They say, do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> yeah. He said, maybe that is a window into the into the heart of God who has not grown old in the way that we have, right. in the sinful way that we have. And maybe every morning he just loves to say, do it again to yeah. the son. Yeah, any reason why routine uh, has 
what you say in your article, the stiffness of stale bread and the rot of dead plants. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, uh, say more about that. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't, you know, dug deep into, yeah, why do we have such a negative view of routine? Maybe it's because a lot of us in our past, we just, we do have experience with bad routines where we were maybe in school or maybe at home forced to do something again and again and again when we didn't want to do it and it wasn't placed before us. Why? Why yeah. are we doing this? What's the reason for this? What's the end goal? Why, where's the joy and the purpose, the good grand vision for where this is headed? Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing we have to do in our routines is know what place does this have in the plan of God and where is it bringing us? So maybe that we just have a lot of experience with meaningless, mindless, boring routine that didn't seem like it was going anywhere. Yeah. You know, I've even uh, spoken to people that had a, a, maybe an extended time away from home. Maybe they were on a a missions trip or they did something that they were away from their home for three weeks or something or four weeks. And I said, well, how was it getting back? And they go, they say, I just couldn't wait to get back into my routine. Yeah. So there's something that is um, comforting about a routine. That's I know right. for me, uh, my day starts so happily in the morning with very early with a cup of coffee and, and the word. And I look forward to that. That's just yeah. time that I, I covet with, with the Lord. Yes. And if that routine gets taken out of place, um, I, I'm not a happy guy. Yeah, that's right. So there's there's people like you, <laughs> like the <laughs> folks that come back from vacation like that. And then they're, you know, so... There, this idea is for those of us who maybe buck a little bit against routine or who just get into seasons where ugh, all your emotions, all your feelings, the grain of how you feel in the morning is going against what the Lord has said is good. Yeah, Scott, do you make a differentiation between the word routine and the word discipline? No. Is it kind of the same? That's I'm thinking of it in a very similar I am, way. I yeah. am too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, discipline, again— a word that has some negative connotations. Another reason perhaps why routine, discipline, why we may uh, back away from it is because there is this threat of legalism in the Christian life. I think probably many of us know what it feels like to check the boxes off of a Bible reading plan and uh, have this subtle sense of, ah, look at me, I'm checking these boxes. Off. <laughs> right. And, and uh, that's not the way that the Lord has uh, would have us approach him. And so it, without some caution, without some awareness, our routines, our disciplines can foster this sense of uh, self-righteousness, yeah. of pride, which is, uh, you know, antithetical to joy. We're never going to be happy people mm-hmm. if that's our posture. Yeah. Scott, I hijacked a line from your uh, article at desiringgod.org to start the show. And that was this, that if routine smells stale to you, the problem might be your own sniffer. So let's just talk about that like any flower can be trampled underfoot or any sky cloaked with with smog routine itself remains good. It's the friend of freedom and joy. And I think that's such a solid statement. Yes. Made. So Psalm 119 is such a picture of this because on the one hand, you have these powerful, strong statements of what seems like spontaneity, sp- spontaneous spirituality, where the psalmist is saying, it's it's probably the part of scripture that has the most exclamation marks in a such a compact space. Of course, that wasn't in the original Hebrew, but mm-hmm. the, the, that's the kind of tone that the psalm has, where he just it feels fitting to put an exclamation mark on it. He says, "Blessed are you, O Lord." He says, "My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times." He's awake before dawn. Often, he he's awake in the middle of the night just because he loves to meditate on God's word. Yeah. Um, 
So that, that's this picture of like, wow, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that kind of love for God? Who wouldn't want that spontaneous affection for him? And yet, <laughs> right alongside, throughout the whole psalm, all that spontaneity, one thing that rivals it is the psalmist's routine. <laughs> yeah. He, he just has this discipline I about that. Him, or the, the kind of things he says are, you know, the scripture comes out of him because he says, I have stored up your word in my heart. You know, that storing up doesn't happen by accident. It mm-hmm. happens by memorization, by meditation, routine. He says seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Yeah. <laughs> that's a routine. That is, that's a routine. That's a, an intense routine. Yeah. Yeah. So they're uh, alongside, right alongside the joy, the spontaneity of the psalmist in Psalm 119 is this just dogged discipline of, I am going to set your rules before me at all times, no matter the day. Mm-hmm. There was a... a, a very famous fitness guru who lived a long life. And he said, I hate working out, but I loved having worked out. Yes. It's like, yeah, there's, right. there's pain sometimes. Yeah. And there's, there's a challenge, but you talk about uh, Daniel, Daniel six ten, where he got down on his knees and prayed three times a day. I don't ever want to disagree with scripture, but if I'm in the lion's den, I'm not getting off my knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that would be pretty scary. It would be. I would have those suction cups. I'd be in the ceiling of the of the cave of the den. Yeah, that'd be helpful. That would be helpful, suction yeah. Cups. Yeah. yeah. Let me take a break. Scott Hubbard is my guest. We're talking about routines today. Just Not Feeling It, that's the name of his title, over at DesiringGod.org. I encourage you to go check it out because it's got... A lot of uh, great stuff we're going to keep talking about when we come back. Are you a person of routine? Do you have a routine? And are you unhappy without your routine? I'm real curious. Send us a message. Let us know. 877-933-2484. Do you need your routine? We'll be right back. Oh, there's so much sadness and desperation and loneliness Especially at Christmas time, it seems to me that there is almost like a big magnifying glass on the world, and we see problems just magnified, and we see people in their desperate situations almost worse than ever. But there is something we can do about it. And when we think of the story of Jesus, that is the story of hope. And if you have a story to tell, and you can give hope to someone this year by sharing their story, we want you to do it. You can go do that at MyFaithRadio.com. I encourage you to do it. Routine. That's what we're talking about today. I'm glad you've got the routine of tuning into Faith Radio. I hope that's a routine that you continue because we love when you tune in. And Scott Hubbard is my guest. He's talking about routine, and he's basing a lot of the content today on Psalm 119. And uh, according to Scott, And the rest of God's Word, Psalm 119, gives us a robust category for spontaneous spirituality, for prayer and praise that fill the nets of ordinary moments and threaten to sink us for joy. What does that mean? Oh, just that Psalm 119, it it does. It endorses this idea that we should expect, we should pray for, we should hope for a spontaneous spirituality. What I think is the ideal as we imagine what would be the best kind of life with God. Well, it'd be one where just spontaneously through ordinary moments of ordinary days, you, as Peter says, rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. You have moments of just this unsurpassed peace and calm in Christ. You are driven with a kind of zeal 
that just bubbles up to pray, to share the gospel, mm-hmm. to serve others, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's what we want. And yet we have little hope of having that kind of spontaneous spirituality without the unspectacular rhythm of routine, mm-hmm. which Scott, is what I think Psalm 119 is showing. Yeah. Scott Hubbard, are there lanes in which we can uh, look for patterns? I mean, morning devotions would certainly be one, wouldn't there? Yeah, that's w- right. What else would be a, a, a lane that we could focus on? I think there's lots of ways to think about this. The simple way that I find helpful is to think in two categories, two buckets. One is morning devotions, and the second is midday retreats. That's one thing to call it, midday retreats. Mm-hmm. And they're related. A um, couple images. If if morning devotion, morning devotions, it's like stringing your guitar. Okay. Midday retreats is like retuning your okay. guitar. Morning devotions is like inflating your heart toward yep. heaven. Midday retreats is like giving it another bump that keeps it skyward, you know, like a balloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, morning devotions plants a flag and says, this day is for Christ on, on the hill of the morning. And midday retreats is going down the hill and beating off the enemies that are coming up to take it. Uh, so they're they're both, they complement each other. Mid Morning devotions is setting the tone for the day. Midday retreats is keeping it going. Mm, I like that. So when we think about discipleship, uh, when we think of morning devotions, we should be concentrating on discipleship 101. We want to repent, believe, and read our Bible every morning. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, morning devotions, you know, I, I expect some people's <laughs> eyes to glaze over like, oh my word, of course, morning devotions. It's just, you hear it so often and early. Yeah, It's just woven into the fabric of what Christians are supposed to do, uh, you know, quote unquote, supposed to do. And you can kind of... Uh, I, I know some people who become jaded with the idea, like it's not even in the Bible that clearly, you know, have this daily quiet time kind of yeah. thing. But, um, but and, and so the more you go on, the more it can be at least tempting for some of us to kind of, oh, whatever, you know, that was that was discipleship one on one hundred one, removing right. into higher things. But there is a reason this theme just comes up again and again in Scripture. The psalmists, so many of them pray in the morning. They teach us to pray in the morning. Satisfy me with your steadfast love. Our Lord Jesus got up early in the morning to meet with his Father. So it's just it's this repeated theme that we should pay attention to. Yeah, Jesus rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. That's right. So he's an early yeah. riser. Yeah, yeah, he was. In part, I'm sure, because his days were so filled with demands right. and people that it was the only time he could, maybe one of the only times he could yeah. have peace. Isn't it fascinating to think of Jesus rising very early and it's still dark out? Yeah. And does he does he stay in the dark? Does he light a candle? Yeah. Does he go for a walk? Um, I, You know, I'm fascinated by yeah. how he postured himself to have that time. Was he on his knees? Yeah. You know, I'm... That's a good, those are good questions. We'll find out eventually, won't yeah. we? Yeah, that's right. And because, uh, you know, the way I think about it is it's not like what you do in the morning sets this just immovable trajectory for the day. You know, how you spend your morning utterly shapes your day. But it, it does set a tone. And part of the reason is because we wake up in the morning to enemies. Uh, we wake up to a, a restless flesh, our flesh, that just is inclined to sin. We wake up to the world that is all around us, the world in the biblical sense of the world opposed to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wake up to an enemy of our souls yeah, who no is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so what we do in the morning, it does have an effect on the rest of our day. Yeah, and Scott, you say we're too weak and too forgetful to live by morning devotions alone. Yeah. And I, I would completely agree. I mean, I can leave a Bible study at 8 o'clock in the morning at a restaurant and have some person pull in front of me 
and not be driving <laughs> politely. Yes. And all of a sudden, I can't believe how quickly my mood changes. Yeah. Well, right. I was just in a Bible study. I know it. And I can't sustain it for four minutes. I know it. Yeah. So what are some things that we can maybe do creatively? Yeah. So hence the need for midday retreats. Uh, we get, you know, particular kind of calling for this in the classic passage of Deuteronomy 6, where right after Moses says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, strength. He says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And then he just goes through all these arenas of life. You'll, you know, talk about them when you're in your home, when you're walking by the way. You shall write them as a sign in your hand, make them as, put them on the doorposts of your home. So I think a passage like this gives us um, permission to be creative about how we get God's word in front of us. And a few just options. It sanctions us to get creative with space, physical space. Where do you put God's word? You know, uh, it, it might inspire us to put it on our car dashboard, on mm-hmm. our bathroom mirror, as so many people do, on our phone screensaver. So when we pull our phone out again, there's a, a promise that we read this morning, something like that. Yeah, There are all these creative ways to sanctify space. There are ways to sanctify um, time. So a midday retreat might look like after lunch, before lunch, something like that, just going away for five minutes yeah. and calming your heart and remembering what you read in the morning and sending up your cares and burdens and confessing your sins over the last few hours and settling your heart again in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, Scott, with uh, the particular um, smartphone I have, which is um, produced by a company that is associated with a particular fruit, um, <laughs> I'm speaking between the lines right now. Yeah, Scott. I don't think anyone knows. Nobody knows. At right. this point, nobody knows. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can add as many uh, screen savers as you want. Yeah, there you go. So you can have 15 and you just scroll to one promise that you want to focus on maybe that day or that yes. morning and you can you can change it uh, with one swipe. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I've known other people who like write down something and just in a note card and put it in their pocket and when they feel themselves wanting to reach for their phone, they reach for that instead. Yeah. So, so we can't let not feeling like it... Dis- derail us. Yeah, that's right. Because, uh, you know, without some kind of routine of morning and midday, you know, and there's all kinds of ways to do this. There's not just one set pattern. What is most likely going to come out of us is not spontaneous praise to God, but probably more like spontaneous pride and not spontaneous worship and gratitude and joy, but probably more like spontaneous grumbling. That's my experience. Yeah. The, what What is spontaneous apart from intentionally getting God's word in me is often not pretty. Just like, you know, on the road. Here <laughs> yeah. Um, so one more just creative way is yeah. sanctify conversation. That's so there in the Deuteronomy. In the Deuteronomy passage, you shall talk about them. So God's word, uh, the scriptures talk about it. It should be a topic of conversation, not just occasionally and in some places, but in all places and often. Mm-hmm. When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Yeah. So conversations with others, what might that look like to weave the word of God into them? To mm-hmm. make talking about scripture, what you read that morning, what you're finding sweet lately, just a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. It, it probably feels hard for some of our relationships. And I'm thinking even with you know fellow Christians, but it can become a part of the culture of just the way we talk with each other. Yeah, Scott, let's uh, celebrate this verse from Psalm uh, 19, verses 7 and 8, when it 
when you're maybe the next time you're not feeling it. Yes. And if I can read it, please. And then would you comment on it? Gladly. All right. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. That's pretty awesome. It is. And I love it because I just think, what does this assume? If the law of the Lord revives the soul, then it assumes that our souls are going to need reviving from time to time. That they're going to feel asleep. They're going to feel sluggish. And if the precepts of the Lord rejoice the heart, and that assumes that our hearts are going to be downcast, that they're going to be joyless at times. And if in those moments of feeling sleepy spiritually, of feeling joyless spiritually, of not feeling like doing some kind of routine, if we do that, we are keeping ourselves back from the very means that God often uses to revive our hearts and to rejoice our Mm -hmm. hearts. And so it really is as as silly as a man who doesn't take medicine because he, he doesn't feel well enough to take it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> the word of God is the medicine right. and our not feeling like it is the sickness. Right. It's what we need. Yeah. And isn't action always the most important word of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, if you say, well, I don't feel like um, yeah. apologizing. Well, of course, you're never going to feel like it. You do it <laughs> and then you go, that was the right thing to do. Yes, that's right. There's often this this barrier, sometimes it feels intense, but breaking through it, you think, ah, oh, that was good. I'm yeah. so glad I did that. Do you know the three frogs on a log analogy? I don't. There's three frogs on a log. One decides to jump. How many are left? Mm. Kind of a trick question because you're, <laughs> you're trying to figure it out. And the answer yeah. is three. Although one said he was going to do it, he didn't do it. <laughs> so it's the one that actually takes the action yeah. that makes the difference. That's good. So yeah. let's just say um, as we're approaching a very busy week, Let's keep focused on our routines because routines are good. Do you like a uh, morning devotional or do you just go right to God's word? How does Scott Hubbard use that time in the morning? Right in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. I have a Bible plan. It okay. goes through the Bible in two years. And so I just open up to what the New Testament or Old Tes- Testament passage of the day is and yeah. I have my cup of coffee just like you and yeah. get yeah. into it. You're not necessarily concerned with outside voices um, commentators kind of thing on, on scripture. I find a lot of help from commentators, but usually in the morning, it's just me and my Bible. Uh, and then, you know, other times of day, I might peruse a commentary or something like that. What is your routine having you do when you leave here? I'm going back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being here. It's always nice to to see you. Your smiling face always makes me happy. And Mm. I think this is such an important topic. Uh, Scott, that we talk about routine. Let's not get in ruts. Let's make sure that we uh, keep disciplined and and keep going to the Lord for our strength. uh, Even when there's days, like you say, you're not feeling like it. Yes. Amen. All right. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas to you. Yep. We're going to take a little break and be right back with the Monday afternoon mix featuring Pastor David Miles and YDM. Be right back. There's that cool jazz, and that means it's time for the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt M. Gentlemen, good. Hello. Good afternoon, Bill. Hello. I like that Wyatt M. I know. I thought he really cool. held it, didn't he? He did. I did. <laughs> yeah. The, the sustain M. Yes. Um. All right, gentlemen, you know, this Christmas, everyone is kind of looking for just the right gift to get their loved one. And you can better believe it, every advertising in the world is going to let you know Whatever they're selling is the must-have gift for the people in your life. 
<laughs> what is that indescribable gift this season? Let's talk about that. Well, the indescribable gift is Jesus. Amen. And, There's the mic drop. And what I really love, Bill, is like I'm sitting here looking at my phone, which is a version 13 of pretty soon we're going to have versions 47. Right. But I always love to make this point. There is no Jesus 2.0. Amen to that. It's just Jesus. Mm. So. Well, let's talk about that, that gift. What, what are, what is, what is that gift? Let's, let's, this is the perfect Monday afternoon mixed discussion. I well, agree. We're going to dive into the incarnation. Okay. And in simplest terms, the incarnation is a union of God and man and the person of Jesus Christ. And this word actually means flesh. Chili con carne is literally chili with flesh or chili with meat. And so the incarnation is the act of becoming, of Jesus putting on flesh. So we see this in the first chapter of John's gospel. Those are two distinctly different discussions, though, the whole idea of Jesus in the flesh and then chili, which is making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's okay. It's just getting to that hour where I'm starting to get a rumble in my stomach. Why it helped me. Well, I'm not really sure where to turn from there, but... All right. So anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand, David Miles. You're doing such a great job. Well, I would say what's better than me would be John chapter 1, verse 14 through 28. All right. Read that. Why would you read that first? Um, First John, you're saying 14? John chapter 1, 14 through... 18? Verse 18. Yeah, absolutely. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Yeah, and this is like really a beautiful thing. And so the incarnation is the indescribable gift. But like what we're going to look at, guys, is there are three things concerning the incarnation. The first is that the incarnation gave us the gift of the eternal word. That's huge of Jesus being the eternal word, the word made flesh. Jesus is Uh, incarnation gave us the gift of grace to believers. And we see that in verses 15 and 16. And then really super cool that actually makes all of this possible is that Jesus gives the gift of us having actually a personal relationship with God. And that's in verses 17 and 18. So what we see in the very beginning is Christ put on the flesh of men. And so it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what's so beautiful about this is that uh, the words that Martin Luther said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. And it is. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think we get awfully familiar with, and we, we sometimes have to stop and think about what Christ went through in, in coming as the Word made flesh to die for our sins. Yeah, I remember years ago there, there was a movie called Slumdog Millionaire, and, uh, you know, it was about this person being in India. Now, I bring this up, what was interesting is that it was this, um, these kids, you see this video of these kids kind of running around, 
Guys, I remember going to watch that movie with my wife, and uh, I had just returned from India. Our kids were really young, so DJ was probably about three years old, and, and Jackson was about a year old. And I remember I just sat in, in the theater just in tears at the thought of a child being in that situation. And I literally could smell. I bet. What I smelled of when course. I was in Chennai. I mean, like, literally, it was so, like... Vivid. Vivid. Yeah. And not um, surprised. And so, like, sitting there and thinking that you have this good, good father who allows his son, and Jesus comes to a place, having existed in eternity past without sin and perfect fellowship with the father... Um, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, and David, doesn't Paul talk about the awesomeness of the incarnation in Philippians? Yeah, he does. You know, he talks about Christ Jesus in chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And that word actually is doulos. So in the ESV it says servant, but it literally is the word slave being born into the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm. Like he made himself nothing. Like if we get inconvenienced, like sometimes, you know, it's supposed to be the happy holidays. And sometimes when people feel in- inconvenienced, it can cause things to flare. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus willingly made himself nothing. It's, Mind-blowing. I mean, we're talking about the creator willingly submitting to the laws of the very universe he created. Mm. That is, I mean, like, wow. Yeah. He's going to be tired. He's going to be thirsty. He's going to be hungry. He might be sunburnt. You never know. (laughs) Right. But everything. Yeah. And not only that, not only did he become flesh, but the second part of that verse says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So literally, um, I like how the message puts it. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like he dwelt it? among us. And I think, you know, as we, we love scripture here um, at Faith Radio because God's word, uh, you know, how shall a young man keep his way pure by hiding God's word in our heart? You know, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will remain. And so we're wanting you to grow um, in discipleship and we're wanting you to grow in the Savior. Um, and so it's so helpful for us to see when the Bible says that we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So as people are getting ready to go into the holidays, and it's like, man, I'm going to have some situations that I'm going to be in, and I don't know if I'm really, you know, up to snuff for this particular thing. But it notes that Jesus was one of us in every respect and been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so Jesus understands. Like he didn't have to just, you know, he made himself flesh. And he could have just like sat there in heaven like, great, I'm flesh, cool. But I ain't coming down. (laughs) But then he actually put himself in fallen mankind's mix and walked that out. Felt the same things we felt. And actually to a much more painful and stronger degree than any of us can probably relate to our experience. So really changes your pers- perspective on that when you realize that he, 
he did that for us, and we didn't deserve it, but he did it anyways. And the opposition and hatred that he would have experienced, I mean, the pushback against him, and he is the creator of the entire universe. Yeah. I I often have written in my Bible that one of the saddest verses, um, you know, is verse 11 of John chapter 1. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Like, he created everything, holds all things together, and comes to them, and they reject him. They reject him in the only existence and survival and being held together, Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20, that he gave them. And I mean, like, I don't know about you guys, but I think, you know, maybe just have a slight attitude. Yeah. I mean, like, you guys a little bit further. But without, but without Jesus, I know I definitely would have had an attitude and been like, "Are you, what? Like, you just rejected me with the only breath. Like, that last breath was not yours. Like, if you want to get your own planet and your own type of air quality, <laughs> you want to get your own gravity, all that, you go ahead and you just, like, told me to go fly a kite? Like, really? Yeah. All he wanted to do was love and just save. That's all that was on his heart. Didn't matter how many times they rejected him. That was always his mission. I love Hebrews 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. I can't reinforce that one enough. Yeah, that he walked where we walked. He hurts where we hurt. Yep. Yep. Cried where we cried, aches where we ache, and Jesus knows, and like Jesus really knows. And, you know, the words of Bruce Barton said, in Christ, God came to meet with people. Through Christ, we can come to meet with God. Okay, let's say that one more time, because that was a little heady. In Christ, God came to meet with people. Through Christ, Ah. we can come to meet with God. I got it the second time. Me too. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and I'm glad I had you say it a second time. Yeah. It's uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 that there is no mediator between God and man except for the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no mediator. And you know, that's what comes up next in, in verse the first because it says, and we've seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You know, I mean, like, Jesus is love. He's full of grace. And yet, the Bible says in Jeremiah that the soul that sins will die, and mankind sinned, and the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, you know, and it's appointed once, Hebrew 9.27, that man dies and stands for judgment, because we've not offended one another in the way that we've offended a perfect and holy God. And so... Jesus is full of grace and love that he comes, but he's full of truth because sin demanded a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't just sweep things under the cup, cup, uh, carpet and like, you know, a good old grandparent and happy Santa say, it's okay. It's like, no, like I love you and this is serious. And so he comes full of grace and he comes full of truth. And so the cool thing about this, guys, is we get to see that in Jesus being the eternal word, Jesus is the person who can give the gift of grace to believers. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to give 
Folks, a couple of things to put in a brown paper bag to go home with uh, today. So we're going to start with really three points we're going to try to make regarding the incarnation, this indescribable gift of his incarnation. And the first one being that Jesus' incarnation gave us the gift of the eternal word made flesh. He came. Let's move on to the second one, David. Yeah, the incarnation gave the gift of grace to believers. Because, you know, grace is important because some things can be truthful, guys, but not helpful. And I remember hearing the story of a, a teacher named Mrs. Fisher. She was recovering from surgery, and she got a card from her fourth grade class that said, Dear Mrs. Fisher, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have done that to me. That's not fair. <laughs> Truthful, but not helpful. You know? right. So the beautiful part is that, you know, Jesus comes, you know, and gives the gift of grace to believers. And he yeah. gives it to all believers who witness to that. Verse 16 says, And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And I, I like that wording because it's literally like from his superabundance. Like Jesus has grace that replenishes grace and then some. All right. We'll take a little break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt M., we're talking about the indescribable gift of the incarnation, and that is Jesus. We'll be right back. We're going to give you a couple more things to consider. Jesus' incarnation gave the gift of grace to believers, and lots more when we come back. Hi there, and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Back with Pastor David Miles and White M. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix, now in all 50 states. And what? <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> I just said yes. something random, David. No. We do. You can find us online. <laughs> yes, you, you know, can in all 50 states. Yep. Yeah. Pod. And so share this with your friends because not because we're super cool, but because Jesus is super cool. Absolutely. And, you know, having positive, uplifting um, messages. And, you know, Bill, I love how you've been emphasizing Merry Christmas and the fact that there's been a lot of, you know, crazy and good and sad and there's things that have, have happened and things that make you cry. But since, you know, that evening with the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, 10, I bring you news of great joy. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas has rung out all of those years since. Yeah. It still is true mm-hmm. because of who Jesus is. Yeah, we're talking about the indescribable gift of the incarnation, which is Jesus. So, David, I'd love for us to talk more about the gift of grace to our to believers. Um that, that is such an amazing gift that comes every day, daily, His grace. It does. And, like, we, we're trying to think, you know, like, people are thinking, like, what kind of gift do I get? And, you know, like, what kind of budget do I have for this? And, you know, brothers and sisters, listen to Second Corinthians 8 and 9, eight, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich before the Incarnation— Yet for your sakes he became poor in the incarnation so that you by his poverty might become rich. And, you know, 
someone has noted that the need for grace is the problem of sin, and the problem of sin cannot be solved by the efforts of man. Like, we can't get on Amazon and order this. Like, no, you can't. You can't, you can't do Cyber Monday. And uh, someone noted this, nothing we can do can cancel out the problem of sin. Someone has said, crushing five million oranges still won't give you an apple. Hmm. <laughs> so true. I mean, like, you got five million oranges. Yeah. And if you're hoping to have an apple, uh, it's not happening. And that's why Ephesians beautifully says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one, nobody can boast. Mm-hmm. And so if you're driving today and you're wondering, like, what gift do I get someone? Well, the question we have is, have you received the gift above all gifts today? Have you trusted Christ? Have you placed your faith in him? Have mm-hmm. you said yes to this beautiful gift, this invitation He's so invitational. Come and follow me, abide in me, believe in me, trust in me, right? Yeah, and it's such beautiful words. And I remember when someone was sharing the gospel with me, May 8th, 1987. You remember the day? Uh, 10.45 p.m., Topper's Restaurant, <laughs> North 42nd Street, by the University of North Dakota, Part between North the emergency Dakota. room and the bathroom doors. Yeah. But there is one verse, <laughs> which, is a, which is Revelation 3.20, and it talks about how Jesus is the consummate... Um, gentlemen, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and sit with him and eat with him and he with me. And the person said, You know, David, really a, a more visual thing is saying that Jesus stands at the door of your heart, knocking and saying, Will you let me in? And it's like, and I remember, guys. I remember when um, my friend invited me to Student Venture, and I thought to myself when he invited me, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Never imagined how much I had to gain. Yeah. Mm. Never. And, and, and it continues. I've had some really cool presents from my parents and from my kids and wife and all that, but the gift of Jesus, I'm saying if you don't know that gift— Man, that's a gift. Like, you know, like I can't give a higher recommendation. I can't I can't tell you to go to see some movie. I can't say like go get this restaurant or this food. Like I like if I love you, I have to say like there's a gift named Jesus. And like it's not by our works. What what do I do? We receive it by faith. Yeah. And it's everything. You know, I you can't say Come in, Savior, stay out, Lord. If you come to my house, I can't say, come in, David, stay out, Miles. Oh, wow, Bill. <laughs> yeah. But, but we oftentimes want to cherry pick. We want to say, I want to get my ticket punched for eternal security, but I don't really want to follow him. And he is an all or nothing proposition. Mm-hmm. And people and you will say, surrender. You exchange your life for his. Yeah. And people are like, you know, well, I love God and, you know, but I want to do, you know, what I want to do. And it's kind of interesting because Jesus had a feeling about that. And he said in John chapter 14, uh, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells in you and will be with you. So not, I love how God is so amazing about this because, you know, he doesn't just say, say like, oh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and good luck doing that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like, I'm going to give you a helper. You You know what I got the other day in the mail bill? Tammy told me this was on the counter. It was a little gold card and it has three A's on it. Triple A. Yeah. And what is triple A? Triple A is when you're broken down and someone comes to you and actually lifts you up, provides the resources that you don't have so that you can journey on. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you someone better than triple A. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And matter of fact, I already paid for your membership. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Yeah, amen. It it really is the greatest gift you can ever receive. So going off of what you two had said, so if if you know Jesus, that's fantastic, but take it the next step. Who can you share Jesus with this holiday season, right? What's that next step? How do you have that conversation? Because you're talking about, David, all these different gifts and great things you can get somebody you know. That's the greatest gift of them all. Who can you share that with this holiday season? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and here's here's the neat thing. Share your own story. Like you own that. You mm-hmm. own that. And yep. you and you know your story best. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to share my story. You can share your story. You can share even this morning the ways God has given you peace, the ways that God has given you wisdom, the ways that when it says, and the Holy Spirit will be with you forever, not only is there not a Jesus 2.0, mm-hmm. there will never be a Jesus 2.0. Never. Never. Into eternity. So you're getting a gift that you're not going to want to return. Okay? That's not going to go out of style. You know, we've been given a faith that doesn't rust or moth or decay. We've been given something so very beautiful. And so today, if you don't know him, just say, Lord, I want to know you. You know, you might be thinking, I have have all these, like, great thou beeth and wonderful with words. No, God knows your heart. Mm, So good, David. And so, as my youth pastor said to me, He walked out of a dorm uh, when he was in college, and he looked up in the stars, and he said, Lord, if you're real, I want to know you. That was his prayer. And God transformed his life. Solid prayer. All right, David, Miles, thank you so much, and YDM, great Monday afternoon mix. Uh, We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Ace Collins is joining me, part two, about the great traditions of Christmas and the traditions behind the great songs of Christmas. That's next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.